hello welcome back to another episode of mac and d how you doing jimmy d uh i mean you know the, the patriots are bad they're they're so bad it's it's tough it's hard out here for a pimp if you will so other than that life's great um a lot of, a lot of good things to look forward to yeah real tough start for y'all are, are we at one in five now did i read that right you are correct we actually somehow beat the jets who just beat the eagles that's kind of crazy. Transit property. You guys are the best team in the NFC. Yeah, it's kind of a wild weekend. I didn't get to watch as much football as I would have liked. I got to watch the Lions dominate against the Bucks to also go five and one, tying the Eagles in the NFC, which feels surreal given they were just in the Super Bowl. And then I watched the uh, the Astros in person, which was pretty sweet. I never been to an ALCS in person, so kind of dropped a bag on those tickets. I'm not going to lie. So, um, but yeah, great weekend of football um, of the games that I did get to watch, especially the early slate. And then last night's game was actually really entertaining. It was kind of just yeah, like, last night's game was great. Yeah. it's like, who's going to make the last big mistake. And that's kind of what ended up happening to the, the chargers last night. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't, I know, or I guess I, like I was really confused on the fumbled punt. That was, the Chargers gunner just shoved a guy with his face mask into the return man. And then the refs were like, well, we didn't call it on the field. So then we couldn't, re- or the refs even admit it, but it's like the reason that the call went that way was the refs were like, well, we never called a penalty on the field, even though it was like the most blatantly obvious interference possible. They're like, but then in the review, you can't review it because it, it wasn't like, it's a penalty. You can't review a penalty. So then, then once that's ignored, well, now the, the Dallas player touched the ball first and the Chargers get it back. Um, I mean, isn't that kind of like a case of common sense where you wish the NFL would just be like, hey, we clearly have evidence that this is how this should have happened and therefore we're going to just do right by the game? Yeah, and it kind of felt like compounding factors too because like on the punt that you're talking about, the guy got shoved into him, but also that guy touched the guy too. It was a shove plus a touch, which is like not legal. And then the like who touched it first on if it was like hey did the chargers end up touching it first or the cowboys touching it first one is either going to be a fumble or it's just going to be a dead ball right there for the offense that felt 50 52 so i was like we got 50 50 shot here 50 50 shot there like you, you should just go always with the call that you did on the field well, it's also point. it's also like ignore the the hands to the face like the, i mean the guy didn't just shove him into the kicker but i mean like he was rubbing his face mask, like had a full grip of face mask threw him into the the punt returner while also running into the punt returner himself I, yeah. I, I just don't know there's a ref sitting there staring at how the ref was just i don't know like immobilized by he's never seen this happen before something is very confusing that was a wild one. It just made Brandon Staley look even older and more confused. It feels like the guy's aged like 25 years in just the last two years. It's probably from all the bad fourth down decisions he's been doing. I, uh, I'm i curious, what, what do you think of the KFC Chiefs? They're not going to win their eighth straight AFC West title. Second place team is three and three, and they're five and one. Yeah, I mean, was this even remotely surprising before the season? Like, did, did anyone make their team good enough that you were thinking they were going to actually contend with the Chiefs? Yeah, no, not really. Especially with the number two team being the three and three Raiders of all four of the teams. So, geez, it's going to be very tough, a very uphill climb for any of those teams to be able to catch the Chiefs at this point. And even like the exciting young players, it's like Michael Meyer, like he's finally picking it up. But I don't think that's going to be enough to anyone to actually catch Kansas City. So it's kind of crazy. Meanwhile, 
my Detroit Lions. I got to talk about them real quick. We, yeah. we will always get to talk about the Patriots Super Bowls. This is my Super Bowl, the way that we are playing right now. The the advanced stats love us. The, the, the Just watching the eye test, they love us. The Lions are now 5-1 and one in the absolute driver's seat for the NFC North. And I was looking at some of the, the advanced statistics. They give us like a 97% chance to make the playoffs at this point, which is pretty freaking wild. A dominant dominant performance from start to finish against a pretty good Tampa Bay team, in my opinion. So I, I was enjoying it. I, I was able to meet up with Issa, one of our mutual friends who lives here in Houston now, and also a Lions fan. The The people next to us were like, you're probably the only two Lions fans in the city. I'm like, you're probably not wrong, but uh, it was, it was a great game. Honestly, just a complete game. And uh, genuinely like a strong defense for Tampa Bay and Baker Mayfield has actually made that offense kind of exciting too. No, you, you said it, I think, best by calling it a complete game. So the, the Lions so far this season maybe haven't had that full-on just dominant performance. They get a team off of a bye week, which you think is usually kind of a bad matchup, um, and they were just ready for the Buccaneers. They they shut down Mike Evans. They shut down Chris Godwin, held them to six points. Like, that's that's big. And then to your point, yeah, you scored 20 points when – Especially like they were up early, so it wasn't even like they had to keep pouring it on, you know, towards the fourth quarter. It really was, let's just milk this clock as much as possible the way our defense is playing. Um, so I think they could have easily got another touchdown. So, you know, they're putting up a lot of points against a, a defense that has been pretty, pretty solid so far this season. So it was a great win. Uh, yeah, you're five and one. There's no more undefeated teams. You have an actual chance of being the one seed this year if you can just keep playing this well. And your division's pretty terrible. So like that's, that helps out a ton because you get some kind of easy gimme games in there. Um, it, it's, I think a lot of things are looking up for the lions right now. Yeah. And you kind of mentioned it, like it was only like a, what, like 17 point spread spread by the end of the game, but it felt like much more. If there was just a little bit better execution in the red zone and actually making some damn field goals, we would be, we would be right up there and blowing them out. So well, let's I also was, not, I said, we can't ignore the, the, uh, I believe it was the Josh Palmer or Josh Reynolds or uh, I'm, I'm, I just Reynolds Palmer's a, a charger. Uh, yeah. but Josh Reynolds block. That was just absolutely incredible. on that Amon raw touchdown, those block, like the fact that, that block happened and everyone celebrated with him, not, not Amon, not because they hate Amon, but they're like, that's like the, the dog mentality of this team is like, you go throw that block that like he gets to celebrate the touchdown on his own. We're celebrating as a team with the guy that went out there and did the dirty work. You, you just have to love the, the culture that, that MCDC has brought to this club. Yeah, it felt like Madden with the way that Riddles just came out of nowhere. Like, he wasn't even on the screen. The next thing you know, he's running with a full head of steam right at the defender in order to get that block. And then very also much so like Madden, Monra just tiptoed along the uh, sideline there. Really felt like he was about ready to step out of bounds, but barely avoided it. Was able to just go right into the end zone. Almost too easy of a touchdown. But that's what happens when you have good execution and you have a bunch of guys that really enjoy playing with each other. It was really fun watching the after locker room speeches from Jared Goff and from Dan Campbell. It really truly feels like a team that really enjoys being with each other. And as much as I give the, some of the parts of the team flack, you know, Holmes for some of his decisions, Dan Campbell for being sort of a meathead, it is a very fun and enjoyable team to be around. I will say it did not come without some setback. It, the only thing that's going to derail the Lions this year feels like going to be injuries. And we had another big one this past week. David Montgomery, RB1, squarely RB1 on the team, has a rib injury. It looks like he's going to be out a few weeks. What What do you think this means for uh, our guy, Craig Reynolds, and also for Jameer Gibbs? 
Well, I think most importantly, this uh, means scramble mode for my fantasy team that was relying on not only David Montgomery, but Kyron Williams. So a double whammy this weekend for my teams. Um, you know, I, I think Reynolds showed a, uh, he showed an ability to at least step in. He he definitely wasn't Montgomery, but he he filled the void. Uh, but I mean, if Gibbs comes back and, and can't take advantage of what should be an increased workload, I, I mean, it ends up feeling like the worst pick of the draft. And and he could have a perfectly fine career, but it's just like that was a win now pick. And if he's not producing win now type stats, it was it was like why bother? And and that's just the way it feels right now with Gibbs. Yeah, genuinely. And I almost hope we just take the Jameson Williams approach with him where it's like, hey, get healthy, do what you need to do. We don't really need you. Like we'll give Craig Reynolds 30 carries this upcoming upcoming game if we really need to. And then come back whenever you're like ready to go. Jameson Williams had a big, big 40 yard touchdown this past week. Truly boomer bust. He's only out there for like 12 routes or something like that. Really capitalized on those. So, uh, yeah, it really feels like this could be a Craig Reynolds volume play, which I think totally makes him worthwhile. He's a good blocker as we've already mentioned he's decent in the passing game as well i think he's definitely a worthwhile stash if you're looking at some of those deeper cuts for this upcoming week some other guys that were interesting uh whenever it comes to injury bad luck uh, as you mentioned karen williams is going to be out this upcoming week very weird the way that the rams are trying to replace him i saw so much news going out of that backfield because ronnie rivers also got hurt in this game so he's going to be out a month so it's looking like zach evans the rookie out of Ole Miss, former five star former one of the top recruits in all the country is going to be the number one running back there but then they also went out and got miles gaskin they got daryl henderson our old friend i didn't even know he still existed and rolls royce freeman he's coming back into the backfield too out of the four guys I just mentioned if you can remember all those names which one do you like out of the four <laughs> I think it's maybe Zach Evans he already he had 10 touches last game once you know some of the chips fell but that's a scary backfield right now that that feels Ravens-esque you know you lose the clear top guy and now you have to guess at the the three special teamers that might be getting touches I, I might be just steering clear and, and waiting until Kyron gets back but Man, that that's brutal. Honestly, maybe you make a trade for a guy like Cam Akers, who's not getting a lot of touches in Minnesota. Like maybe that makes sense to to bring to your team. Yeah, it felt like uh, Akers actually got a little bit more involved in the offense. He didn't get a lot of touches, but he actually like played a good amount of snaps this past week in Minnesota. The other big injury was CMC, who's looking like he's also going to be out this upcoming week. If you're the 49ers, who cares? You know, you're five and one. You're going with the division. Your team is dominant. Honestly, one of the best rosters we've seen in the NFL in the last decade. Who do you want out of that backfield? It's Jordan Mason, who ended up kind of being the replacement this past week. But then you got Elijah Mitchell, who kind of has experience in this offense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say first and foremost, this is kind of proof that Shanahan's been doing a little bit of malpractice with CMC. We've been seeing him in fourth quarters when they're up by 30 points. It's like, why is he touching the ball right now? Like, unless Shanahan has him on his fantasy team, this doesn't make sense. Uh, But I I actually like, who, who is the not Elijah Mitchell running back there? Jordan Mason. He, he, I feel like he's been getting a lot more work. I know it's probably due to Elijah being a little bit banged up, but he, he's supposedly the third string and a special teams guy, but we've seen it a few weeks in a row now that he's gotten more than 10 touches because seems he's starting to deal with just a little bit of those lingering, uh, you know, I touch the ball 30 times a game and, and get banged up type injuries. Um, and he looks good with the ball. So I think it's one of those things where we've seen Shanahan doesn't really care as long as you're producing, you know, who you are, where you came from. I could see him just, you know, getting 15, 20 touches. And that's a guy you can maybe snag off the waiver because people are going to be thinking about Elijah Mitchell and not again, the guy whose name I cannot remember. 
Jordan Mason. Yeah, no, I Thank fully you. agree. Mason is an incredibly efficient running back, averaging 5.4 yards per carry. Pretty dang solid. So out of those three backfields we just mentioned, you know, Craig Reynolds stepping in, the the glut of Rams, and then the 49ers, like, power rank us real quick. Like, who's the number one guy you want out of all those backfields? I think it's it's Mason, unless mm-hmm. we hear that Gibbs is out again. If, if it's Reynolds and he's clearly the only guy left in, in Detroit, I love that because you're going to get 25 touches behind a good offensive line. But I think Mason's going to get at least 15 touches behind you know, or with arguably one of the best offenses, period. Yeah, Debo and CMC potentially out this week. Like, Ayuk, Kittle, and and Mason apparently are going to be, you know, the guys getting a ton of work. So I'll, I'll take third fiddle and, and what is still an explosive offense and what has Shanahan, you know, kind of running the ship. Yeah, in my mind going into this episode, I felt the exact same way. Give me Mason as kind of like the guy to go get, blow some of that fab on him. Craig Reynolds, if Gibbs isn't ready to go, he's number two clearly. And I don't really want anything to do with this Rams backfield. This feels like classic Sean McVay just doing dumb stuff out there. As much as I do love Zach Evans, and I think he's going to be the preferred guy here, like it really feels like we could see some Miles Gaskin, even weak Miles Gaskin dumb stuff out there where he's just getting three touchdowns and getting a load of the receiving work. Like I just, I don't want to touch any of that. Back I know. I think you're thinking of it wrong. I think you start seeing Puka Nakua take some carries as like that Robert Woods, you know, we kind of alleviate the running back type thing. They, they love him as a playmaker. I think he snipes them and, and you just aren't ready for it until it happens game day. Yeah. Dude, you know what college Jordan Mason went, went to? I do not. Dude, same school as Javier Gibbs, Georgia Tech. Who would have thought? Dude, I cannot believe that Puka is fourth in the league in receiving yards. That's crazy to think about. Fifth round um, unheard, unheard of until literally people were like, oh, I guess he's the wide receiver behind Cup. Yeah. I, I mean, not even like after the first game, like before the first game, people were like, I guess maybe roster him. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. The, shout out to people. There there were a good amount of people who were like, this is a sleeper pick in the draft. I don't think we mentioned his name one time when we were doing our draft preview stuff. That's just kind of how crazy of a sleeper the guy is. So we already talked about Ronnie Rivers. He's one of the dogs, or one of the logs, excuse me, not one of the dogs, one of the logs for this week. I also had uh, Rashad White in here, kind of already talked about the the dominant performance the Lions offense have, but also the Lions defense, holding Rashad, Rashad White, how you want to pronounce it, to a paltry 2.6 yards per carry this past week. That ain't going to get it done, and that was a backfield that we really kind of expected him to just seize a little bit. Who are some of your logs this past week? And uh, the ones that hurt the most, because these were my two quarterbacks in a super flex team, Geno Smith, Justin Fields. I, I went against the Minnesota defense and they outscored my quarterbacks combined. So it, it was a brutal week in, in that league. But Geno just looks bad against a, a very OK defense in the Bengals. Like, I don't know how you don't just put up a, a casual 17 points there. Like you, he just had too many turnovers. And then Justin Fields had what I would assume would have been one of the best matchups of the year. That Minnesota defense is abysmal and, and just Missed open receivers, couldn't read the ball, got hurt, was out the rest of the game, probably out this coming week, maybe even two. This one hurts the most because I was, I I don't know if I'd mentioned it on the pod. I know I mentioned it to you. I was uh, touting go get fields right now or trade or like basically find a way to get fields during this stretch because it was the last two games, which were huge games for him because of just poor defenses to go against. Then he had Vikings, Raiders, one more like pretty like, easy soft team and i thought he was going to put together five incredible games and then i was going to say now dump him off for i mean just a glut of picks because i don't think it's going to be any better than that that five game stretch and he's going to miss 
the back half of that stretch. So definitely brutal for what I was hoping could happen for Justin Fields. Yeah, the injury ended up coming a little earlier, especially in Dynasty. That would have been sick. Yeah, a couple thoughts on these quarterbacks. I, I'm still a Geno believer. Uh, the main reason why I feel like he struggled this past week is that secondary in Cincinnati is super good, led by Cam Taylor Britt, their second round pick last year, looking incredibly solid, just turnover machines and really putting pressure on those receivers. And that's a very good receiving core that they have in Seattle there. And they just shut them down. DK Metcalf was getting frustrated. He was shoving people for absolutely no reason. I feel like they were really getting in his head. So it's some crazy stuff by the Bengals secondary. But then secondly, Gino's just holding on to the ball way too long, man. Like he really feels like it's 2022 all over again. He's got to play hero ball and stuff. Just trust your guys. Like it, there's no shame in just dumping it off to a few people. Kenneth Walker was one of my dogs for this past week, mainly because of his receiving work this past week. Guys, see more of that like there's no shame in just letting them do some crazy stuff after the catch and i feel like gino was just trying to force things a little it, bit too much for me remember remember we we're skater charbonnet we were thinking maybe that was a bad omen for kw3 man i wish i would have got him everywhere because his workload has not changed one bit yeah yeah i and even with kind of a relatively pedestrian week you only had like 60 total rushing yards like the receiving work plus the touchdowns the goal line carries like the whole package for kenneth walker the third right now it's pretty awesome to see I'm- on the quarterback uh, side, um, a lot of surprise names, right? Uh, Sam Howell, I would say, should be up there 20 point, like three weeks in a row of 20 point performances. Tua, not as surprising just because of his weapons being so strong. But then Dak finally, you know, people have been dogging him. Um, you know, they they saw him in primetime against the 49ers. It's like, yeah, a lot of guys look bad against the 49ers. Like, you know, Dak's, I think, been having a sneaky good year, but people are just, just railing him because his bad games have been in primetime kind of the the Kirk Cousins effect, if you will. But Dak had his best game of the season, had that rushing touchdown, looked like he turned back the clock a little bit, looked pretty quick on that play. Um, But I I mean, in general, Sam Howell is one of my sleeper guys this year, not sitting here trying to like toot my own horn, because it's not like he's like, you know, lighting the world on fire, but he's been a pretty solid, you know, super flex quarterback this year. And I think things are really looking up for Washington as far as quarterback play. I mean, their team still has some, some holes to fix. Their defense is much worse than they should be considering they have a defensive minded head coach and so many top picks on that side of the ball. But Sam Howell has been really a bright spot other than, you know, maybe one bad game early and then not a great looking game against the bears. But um, I I think at fantasy wise, you're very happy with him. And and if you're at Washington, you're probably at least pretty pleased with Sam Howell the way he's played this year. No, I fully agree. Yeah. You mentioned Dak Prescott. I mean, QB won this past week. People aren't talking about that, man. Like it's just kind of been a very Jackal and Hyde sort of season for a lot of quarterbacks this year. And like Dak had his best performance and really, really started to look spry again. Probably the best he's looked since his injury, if I'm being honest, with all the rushing ability that he showed this past week. And you mentioned Sam Howell, same thing. Like he had that four interception game. I was getting nervous. I was like, dang, what's going on here? That's against a pretty solid Buffalo team. And he's really turned it around since then. He was QB six this past week going against Atlanta. I mean, who hasn't had a four interception game? You've had a four interception game. Peyton Manning's had a four interception game. Like it just happens sometimes. His, so, his worst game was around. against the Bills after the Bills got embarrassed by Zach Wilson on, in the in week one. So like that was just kind of bound to happen. But yeah, I mean, he's just been solid. I, I mean, worst game since then, I think was like 15 points. And when he's like a last round pick, super flex type quarterback, you're very happy with his production. Absolutely. You didn't have to waste a high pick on a guy who's also middling because all the quarterbacks are kind of middling right now. Going to the running backs, another dog that I saw, which is just really sad. DeAndre Swift, man, even whatever he's bad, like he only had like 
18 rushing yards this past week or something crazy low like that. The receiving work, the touchdowns, it doesn't even matter that he had fumbled this past week. He still put up a top 10 running back performance. Wish the Lions would have just kept him, even if it meant we would have had to pay him. He is fifth in the league right now in rushing yards, if you can believe it. Yeah, so it just bouncing off tackles looked incredible. And then, of course, Mostert, we said it. Every single person that could have possibly taken touches from him was down this week. I mean, it was Mostert as the only guy alive in that backfield. And then, of course, Hill and Waddle uh, to to share the rest of the touches. But what a monster performance again. He's He's looking great so far. I'm hoping because I have a decent amount of Jeff Wilson that was just sitting in an unused IR slot that maybe Jeff Wilson comes in and gets 12 touches, 15 touches a game, but most of it's looking good right now. Jeff Wilson Jr. That's a name I haven't heard in years. Would be awesome to see him come back because he is also very explosive. The work that McDaniel has done this year is nothing short of a masterclass. How would you rank all the five and one teams this year? Would you have Miami at the top? I think that... Um... I mean, it's tough not to, I mean, it really does feel like all the five and one teams are pretty neck and neck. No one's really stood up as maybe the best aside from, I'd probably put the 49ers up there. This felt like kind of their, their fluke game week, but other than that, I still feel like they're beating. I I think they're going to be the betting favorite against pretty much any team out there. Miami, probably a close second, you know, Kansas city, a close third. Like every team is just so neck and neck. It, It actually feels pretty, like there's some pretty good parody for the first time in a while in the NFL. Yeah. Do you know who has the best point differential in the AFC East right now? I mean, I feel like it's supposed to be the Dolphins, but maybe it's the Bills. It is the Bills. Even though the Dolphins won that like 70 to 20 game against uh, the Denver Broncos. It's I guess the Bills because the Bills right beat the Dolphins by like 20. So then that helped kind of even it out. Yeah. Truly built different. Fun team, fun team. AFC East is interesting, no offense, but I, I liked all the other teams there. Uh, looking at some uh, wide receiver work, I, I, I got to tout my guy. He really popped off this past week, and you probably had the best quote of the weekend. You were like, uh, Mon Ross St. Brown, just force feed him five yards, and it's just like a guarantee. You know, He's just always going to work every single time. He finished with over 120 receiving yards and had a ton of receptions. I think it was 11 or 12. Really put him up there. Up in terms of PPR points, and then obviously had the touchdown as well. He genuinely might be a top five wide receiver by the end of the season in terms of overall talent. Yeah, I mean, we saw when they couldn't get the running game going, it was like, well, Amon is going to be open on a five-yard out, so that was the running game for a bit. Um, just looks incredible. Um, yeah, it's, if, if you have him on your team, you're feeling great. I thought maybe beginning of the season he was getting drafted a little too high because of just yeah. how many different weapons there were, but – uh, as the injuries have started to happen and he stayed healthy, he's like, no, this is this is my ever like this is my offense right now. Yeah, dude's got a chip on his shoulder massively still, which is crazy because like he's definitely one of the best receivers in the league and he's still just acting like a undrafted rookie. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, other dog, the Cooper Cup, two games in a row over 20 points. Like, I mean, just we were worried that that four game absence might turn to six, might turn to eight, might turn into the season, might turn into retirement. But he was like, no, I just need to get right and I'll be right back at it. And it's it's been awesome for him. Um, and then Drake London, big game, a couple of weeks in a row, big games. Uh, the Falcons looked like like trash, but a few of their receivers had a lot of catches and a lot of yards. Yeah, it's been very interesting to see Cooper Cup come back so dang quickly. Like, he's back, man. And I love Cooper Cup. I was really just worried about the combination of the age and then just, like, the lack of information that we had. We, we kind of compared it to Andrew Luck's injury where he's like, we don't know what's going to happen. He could be out for the entire dang season. But he's definitely back for with a vengeance. 
there is definitely a possibility though where he kind of ends up like Jonathan Taylor, where like he comes back, doesn't really have a role, doesn't have that same explosiveness, and then he just kind of fades into obscurity. So it's really cool to see that connection, that mind meld between him and Stafford be back. And then yeah, Drake London, one of our favorites, definitely has all the juice, all the talent in the world. And it's cool. He's actually finally getting force fed by Desmond Mitter a little bit. He had 12 targets, a season high this past week. It's like we said last week when Pitts finally had a good game. It's like, it's amazing when these elite athletes get get opportunities they actually produce. Who would have thought? Crazy. Not me. Not me. Speaking of Pitts, though, geez, back-to-back good weeks. My guy, he didn't get a touchdown this past week, but it didn't really matter. Had a, oh, excuse me. He did have a touchdown this past week. I was thinking of the previous week. He finally got a touchdown. His first of the season this past week. Finished with 12 fancy points. Once again, tying his season high. It might be Kyle Pitts season all over again, which is crazy because I picked him up in all the leagues that he got dropped in. Definitely felt like someone that was worthwhile to hold on to. And I hope a bunch of other people didn't drop him because I have he's uh, unfortunately not seen him dropped in any leagues. I think I would have like you grabbed him. Uh, the guy that I'm going for, and I know we're not to waiver wire ads yet, but I can't believe we're freaking saying it. But Johnu Smith, a top 10 tight end right now. Somehow this Atlanta offense is is feeding them both at the same time. Arthur Smith loves Johnu. He loves his not blue chip guys. Like, I think I have to start starting Johnny Smith. Yeah. And I mean, he has that history with them. Arthur Smith back whenever he was in Tennessee, as well as Johnny Smith. So it makes sense. You know, he's got experience with the guy. He knows how to get him open and they do some interesting scheme stuff with him. Um, as well as another guy that I had on the dog list this past week, Gerald Everett. Had a really cool uh, scheme for, uh, dr- driven up for him by Brandon Staley this past week, where he kind of lined up in the backfield and then just kind of split out wide, got an easy, easy one-yard touchdown. Finally, did get sni- sniped by Donald Parham, which was really cool. And yeah, that's just the kind of cool stuff that you're able to draw up with a really, really athletic tight end, just like Johnu and Gerald Everett. Were, were you by chance nervous that on that play they showed Parham coming in like here comes the big target guy and I'm thinking yes he's about to get another touchdown Max gonna have an aneurysm and then they finally schemed it up for for Everett yeah they even announced it on the broadcast like this is just mean I didn't need this in my life right now not a lot of things are going right I didn't need freaking Donald Parham to ruin this as well and then yeah finally luckily it was Gerald Everett I just want to give some quick shout outs at tight ends well we don't talk nicely about them too often but Evan Ingram really solid He's fallen to me in a lot of drafts this past year. Not a huge fan of his, especially with his disappearing act in New York for a couple of years there, but it's been an incredibly steady tight end, which doesn't usually get that kind of level of steadiness at the tight end position. And then Dalton Schultz, man, three straight weeks with the touchdown. People aren't talking about it. There's, there's something cooking down there in Houston. They might have got a good, a good one on a pretty cheap deal for him to go over to Houston. So shout out to those tight ends. And then the logs, two guys that actually should be producing, but just aren't too much. Uh, both of them one catch wonders this week. Hunter Henry, George Kittle. Hunter Henry, I feel like is droppable. This is like three weeks in a row and maybe one catch in all three of those weeks. George Kittle, the three touchdown performance makes it really hard to drop him because, you know, it's he's still a guy. But man, his his usage has been up and down this whole season. Yeah, and it's hard too because like, Hunter Henry started to make me a believer. I was like, ah, he's the Mac Jones safety blanket. Like he's going to be the guy. They're finally starting to consolidate a little bit at tight end. Like it's him. And then all of a sudden just goes on an absolute cold streak. That's just killing me in leagues. So I can't have that. And it's just crazy with Kittle. Like, you know, three touchdown performance. So he's like, yeah, one catch one yard. 
that's all I'm going to do this week. Two targets. Uh, I, I don't need anything more. Granted, that was a big part of just Brock Purdy having a bad game, which he's kind of due for. But that that was just a very, very tough performance to watch. Absolutely. Move, go to the waiver wire ad. Moving to the waiver wire. Uh, we also had logs of wide receiver, Devontae Smith, Jerry Judy. But everybody knows about those. Those guys are just kind of falling off right now. Looking at ads at waiver wire, you have Kareem Hunt here. Is Kareem Hunt back? I don't know about back but he's definitely starting to hit his form i think he's at this point you know what a month month uh removed from first getting added back to the team you can kind of see him getting his juice back a little bit that this is a team you know he goes against the 49ers and, and starts getting a little bit more usage a little bit better i mean he had i think 10 carries 40 yards so you're seeing still that yard per carry pretty high still getting the the uh receptions so you know, when, when there's not a lot of talent out there, I think Kareem Hunt, even with Jerome Ford being the de facto guy, I think he's played second fiddle in Cleveland for a long time and still been able to put up big games. I, I think he's finally turned the corner and he can put him back on the roster. Yeah, and it's very 50-50 right now in Cleveland. And, like, when you're starting P.J. Walker, when you're starting P.J. Walker but getting paid 80 times more, a.k.a. Deshaun Watson, like, you're going to run the ball a lot, right? So there's a lot of carries available. And Kareem Hunt is really turning back the clock a little bit here. He looks spry. He looks fresh. He looks like a guy who hasn't played football in a while and has gotten really healthy, which is just something that you want on your fantasy team. He's getting yards after the catch and getting involved in the receiving game. So definitely feel like he's a priority. He's up there with Jordan. Jordan Mason, in my opinion, for guys that you got to go get in the waiver wire this past week. Another guy I really like, and I really liked him going into week one, uh, Rashi Rice, or Rashi Rice, sorry you pronounce his name. Dude's just been incredibly solid, and now we don't have Justin Watson, who's not not trying to root for injuries, but he's been injured, and now we're going to get a little bit of consolidation in Kansas City when it comes to wide receiver. Rasheed Rice just getting touchdowns, getting those red zone targets, and really just looking solid. If he ends up having that second half of a rookie season that a lot of wide receivers have, he could be super, super dangerous and kind of a league winner. So I, I'm trying to pick him up and put him on my roster. Kiss of death right there, thinking wide receiver consolidation. Jerick McKinnon about to go off for a three-tutty game. <laughs> I would not put it past him. Who are some guys that you're trying to drop for all the guys that we've mentioned throughout the episode? I and I want you to maybe talk me off the the ledge here, but is there a single Patriot worth rostering? And I am including Ramondre Stevenson in this. Our offense is so bad. I just don't know. I mean, maybe Ramondre just because he'll get 12 touches a game, but are they even valuable touches? He had his first touchdown. He's a third round pick. His first touchdown was this week. I mean, like it's it's been so bad. I just don't know how you like actually stomach rostering a patriot anything on offense do you know what stevenson's season high in rushing yards is right now in a game 42 59 you're right okay. there just bismal yeah it's really painful honestly he's definitely still rosterable just because he still gets a lot of that volume even with zeke elliott looking amazing you, you pointed out to me this past week in that one uh, play that pass that he had that just ended up getting called back he looked spry he looked ready to go he looked younger than he has in years and unfortunately got called back the the lack of touchdowns that that's got to reverse at some point like it's it, it, it feels unlucky that the, the Patriots have just had this crazy long streak. I, I'm still a believer. I wouldn't drop Stevenson, but I don't want any of the wide receivers, including Juju. I don't want any of the tight ends, and I don't think a lot of people are uh, rostering Zeke or Mac Jones at this point. So I think it's I, only Stevenson, which is wild. That's not normal. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to find the stat for you, Mac, but when you say the, the touchdowns has to reverse – 
I don't know if that's the case. I, I think the Patriots have until this week, it was like had only run five plays within their own five yard line on the entire oh season. I, I mean, they're like their red zone drives are less than number of games played. It, it's so bad. They just aren't there. Man. This was That's the right. This was the best possible defense to play against. It was the Raiders. Like maybe you hope that the Broncos game gets them some points, but like I just don't know who you feel good about within our own division that they're going to score points against. And he's going Bills Miami next two weeks. Like yeah. where are they? Where are we going to get points on this offense? I mean, we might be lucky to get two field goals in in the two weeks combined. Yeah, this went from like a fun scrappy team to like, hey, we are actually gunning for the number one overall pick very quickly this whole situation got incredibly dire very quickly to me i don't know maybe you we were just too high on the patriots to start but like i don't know what's happening here uh other it's other bad. guys yeah just just bad other guys i'm trying to drop this upcoming week uh rashad bateman if you're holding out hope holding on to a prayer like i was uh, it's over I, I i feel bad missing on a guy like that and i think maybe down the road you know he could be a great carolina panther or something like that but bateman only averaging three targets per game that ain't gonna get it done so drop bateman uh and then romeo dubs get a little concerned about him not necessarily about his overall talent but it feels like every single week this green bay offense just gets worse and worse what, what do you feel about like jordan love at this point I'm hopeful that Christian Watson um, off the bye week that Hammy's just, you know, another week stronger will help kind of propel everything. The issue here is Aaron Jones has been injured and our, our boy AJ Dillon has not picked up the slack in any way possible. He finally had an okay week before the bye and it was just a volume week. It was like 20 carries for 60 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he just, he does not get it done. He is not a, a yards per carry machine. He is truly a, LeGarrette Blunt minus the ability to break a tackle type running back. Yeah. And that's just what makes it tough. Right. And I just don't really know what's going to actually change things here. Like Bakhtiari might just end up freaking retiring at this rate. Like the offensive line's not getting any better. And Jordan Love just really kind of fell off. His efficiency was awesome the first couple of weeks. And it's just been all downhill from there. If you're losing to the Lions like they did and then the Raiders right after that, like just kind of very, very tough. I was high, honestly, on this Packers offense, but if Aaron Jones ain't ready to go, I don't really want anybody because he just opens up so much of that offense, so it's kind of tough. Um, going to our panic button. I, I sent you a stat right before this, and it was just straight-up Quentin Johnson's stat line for the season. Six catches, less than 50 yards on the season. I, I told you that was a Tyree Kill quarter, and you responded back. You're like, that's a Tyree Kill bad first quarter, and you're honestly 100% correct. Dude just got out muscled on the final play of the Chargers Cowboys game last night, too. Stephon Gilmore just knocked him out of the way in order to get the game ceiling interception. Uh, are, we're obviously not rostering Quentin Johnson at this point in fancy. But what do the Chargers have to be thinking of their rookie right now? Well, what I'm trying to look up right now is his uh, 2019 stats with the Patriots and by his, I mean, Nikhil Harry, because that is my Ooh. current comp right now for Quentin Johnson. And that's how you have to feel as the chargers. Cause this has been an absolute brutal result for them. There's four wide receivers taken back to back to back and they absolutely got the worst one. Yeah. Zay flowers better. Jordan Addison, not the hottest of starts, but definitely better. You got Jackson Smith and Jigba kind of getting lost in the offense a little bit, but definitely has looked better. Quinn Johnson's not looking good on tape. He's not looking good on the stat line. I, I feel like if you're the Chargers, like if he's not stepping in to be that wide receiver too after Mike Williams gets injured, like 
when, when is he going to step up? And he was kind of like more of that, like prototypical ready to go week one kind of guy out of the four, in my opinion. And he's really just falling apart. I, you say Nikhil Harry, I'm going to another TCU horn frog. I'm going Jalen Rager for the cop here. Both comps, not great. So I guess my, my question for you is, does he top this stat line on the season? He's halfway there potentially, but 12 receptions, 105 yards and two touchdowns. Cause that is the Nikhil Harry rookie stat line. I mean, we're five chargers games in, right? Cause they're, they're two they and three at this point. Buy, yeah. Yeah. So I'm 50 in five weeks, like 17. I, I'll take the under. I'll I'll take the under. Honestly, I don't think he breaks to kill Harry. That's bad. I I think he probably just tips over. You'd have to think he gets a little bit better towards the end of the season, but first five games have not been good at all. Yeah. And it's uh, there hasn't been any like flashes of like okay that we, we're seeing it here. Like there was one play maybe last night that unfortunately Herbert just got hit before he could could release it to him. But this is a guy that we expect to, you know, take slants to the house. Like that was kind of his thing at TCU is deep balls or slants to the house, et cetera. It's not really getting those targets. It's kind of all Keenan Allen and then whoever else is, you know, kind of dragging across the field. Yeah. I saw a stat that of all the receivers drafted since 2010 of the guys to get less than 50 yards in their first five career games, only one has gone on to actually have over a thousand yards in a season. Do you want to take a guess of who it is? Andre Johnson. Great try. He's a current Patriot. Oh, Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker. We also had a very, very slow start and kind of had Dude, a surprise second brother, half of his career. Brother, Devontae Parker needs to be fired into the sun. <laughs> he had Max best throw of his career, hits him in the mitts. I mean, just an absolute dime of a throw and just drops it. I mean, just straight right through the hands, butterfinger style. After the game is like, I mean, you know, I hit my fingertips. So like, you know, you tell me like, maybe I should guess it. it's like, dog, you're the guy at the beginning of the year saying I'm max number one. I'm an 80, 20 guy on 50, 50 balls. Like, I mean, just hyping himself up so hard and just drops the, the most perfect bread basket type throw ever. Next play, Mac takes a safety in the end zone as like four Raiders defenders crush him. I mean, it, it was just like the most poetic ending to that game. I love your disdain for the Patriots wide receivers. We have, 90 seconds for a quick mailbag question. Justin Fields or Cooper Cup in Superflex? Yeah. Who are you taking? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> uh, I mean, you always got to love the quarterback option. You got to love a running quarterback in particular. Give me Cup. I love the mind meld. He's breakfast with Stafford. Interesting that. question. Would you take that if, say, you only had two quarterbacks and that meant you're just playing Cup as your super, like Cup is your quarterback Superflex player? Do it. Honestly, I, I'm tired of the Jackal and Hyde stuff with Justin Fields. Like I started him this past week after benching him the last two. Brutal. I'm done. Honestly, I, I, I'd rather have anyone else with a level of consistency. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that one, too. All right. Good All right. stuff. We, we cut it in time. Just in time. Beautiful episode. Beautiful week. Hope everybody enjoys it and uh, have a great time.